Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Counterpoint Podcast. My name is Maurice, and I'll be your host again for this week. Uh, and today's podcast, I think, is going to be pretty interesting. Um, you know, we, we've seen this concept of foldable phones um, over over the decades now. Um, I think it was in the late 2000s when um, a couple of companies like Nokia first introduced um, concepts of foldable um, smartphones. But, you know, flash forward until now. Um, and foldable phones are in the mainstream market. Um, while they're still pretty expensive, they're trying to build out a niche. And today I have my um, VP of research, Neil Shaw, with us. And we're going to be discussing um, foldable phones in a little bit more detail. Hey, Neil, how's it going? Yeah, so thanks for uh, inviting to the podcast. And I've been experiencing a few foldable phones over the last uh, few months and so happy to share my thoughts on what I have experienced in terms of the form factor, how futuristic it is, or uh, whether it is not, and whether it is built for everyone or not. So we can discuss in detail. That's great, Neil. All right. Um, well, you know, th this concept of foldable phones um, really involves some complex engineering, um, you know, from you know, how the display uh, works, um, and even to that hinge mechanism that we've seen uh, multiple patents um, by, by a couple of OEMs already um, for, you know, how, how that works. And we, we've seen this um, hinge mechanism um, evolve. Um, we've seen the display evolve. Um, but in reality, you know, do you think uh, foldable phones have a practical use case right now? Yeah, uh, I think uh, for a smartphone to be really smart, it's not just about uh, how much applications you have and how you are using the phone uh, in terms of number of taps or number of multitasking applications you have and you can do it smoothly. But it's more about also the overall experience on how the device is in your hand. Uh, what are the different use cases uh, in terms of the form factor of the device? So if you remember in feature phone days, uh, there were like candy shell bar shaped feature phones, but at the same time, there were also flip phone, right? Uh, so it was a foldable form factor. It was the first foldable phone, if you can see. So uh, that is completely different user experience. And it, and, and it was very popular with a lot of uh, different regions, like in US, for example, uh, or even in Korea and Japan. So Japan still has a few uh, foldable phones uh, in terms of foldable form factor. But talking about the new generation foldable smartphones, uh, what they are bringing in terms of user experience is a completely uh, different form of multitasking experience, as well as uh, you can get the benefit of two devices into one. Uh, so we saw how tablets evolved between 2010 to 2016. And since then, the ma market has been steady because of screen size uh, has increased for the phones and there is a limit to how much you can have a slate form factor in terms of screen size and we already reached almost 6.7 6.8 inch in terms of like galaxy note type devices uh, which is still a big screen to be uh, to we can hold in our hand for full time so with foldable form factors what we can do is we can ha still have that bigger screen experience but in a very foldable form factor. And at the same time, once you open into a tablet mode, you can do a lot of multitasking. You can uh, uh, do app continuity, what Google defines, and added a lot of uh, different software level support 
uh, within the operating system natively from Android 10 on, onwards, right? So uh, it's 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 a form factor uh, which is very flexible in terms of when you want it to work in a uh, big screen tablet mode or when you want it to work in a very smaller screen mode for just a basic task. And after that, if you look at uh, what with the form factor, it's also important how the apps scale what the experience of this overall operating system is. And as I said, Android 10 with uh, with Android 10, Google has done a fantastic job of adding a lot of these features uh, to enable a real foldable experience and bring that foldable experience to the surface and make it more meaningful. Those are some um, really good points that you bring up, Neil. Um, and, you know, you've actually tested out um, the Samsung Galaxy Fold and currently have the um, Galaxy Z Fold 2. Can you can you talk a little bit more about your first impressions of this new device and how it compares to the the old um, Galaxy Fold? Yeah, so uh, the Galaxy Fold uh, Gen One, uh, which launched last year, so I had used it briefly for almost three months, and the biggest uh, thing is after using that phone, actually it was very difficult for me to adjust back to the smaller screen phone, a slate form factor. So it builds up your muscle memory in terms of how you uh, interact with the device and uh, you get used to specific uh, tasks and gestures as well as uh, different applications, how you consume those applications and content, right, on a bigger screen versus a foldable screen. So uh, the Gen 1 device was pretty good, but it was a little bit bulky. And obviously uh, now it feels bulky because compared to Gen 2, which I've been using, the Z Fold 2, there is a lot of improvements, not only in terms of the overall device form factor shapes, uh, but the the screen itself. the The front screen is a full frontal front screen, uh, full uh, 6.23 inch, uh, compared to Galaxy Fold, which was a very smaller screen and a very narrow. Uh, so here you can almost use it as a slate form factor, but when you open the device, it becomes it goes into a 7.6 inch uh, tablet form factor and uh, the beauty of it is that now Google supports natively a lot of different features which Samsung is using and also uh, different sensors which goes into the hinge. Uh, so there is a hinge mode, which is which uh, Google says is a hinge mode, but Samsung is re- renaming it as flex mode where you can uh, keep the device at a 90 degree angle and you can actually, uh, there are a lot of apps which scales across both the screens in with different functions and that actually brings uh, the real foldable use cases uh, to the surface as i was saying earlier and uh, other thing is they have uh, re- reduced the bezels and uh, even the camera which was a big notch is now back to the pinhole uh, type uh, design language which samsung has on other phones so overall uh, i feel uh, the device is a big improvement but the best thing what Samsung has done is they have in, in the short span of time within almost eight to nine months they have taken a lot of user feedback to enhance uh, the overall device experience and also in terms of the hinge mechanism where it which has more than 200 parts they have added a sweeper technology which they added in the uh, uh, this foldable device which they launched the Z Flip uh, uh, in a few months ago. So that sweeper mechanism uh, also alleviates all the concerns with dust going into the hinge and so forth. So it's quite innovative design and they have 
actually listen to a lot of user feedback and improve by leaps and bounds compared to Gen 1. Right. And that was really one of the um, biggest concerns with these first photo devices is that hinge mechanism, getting debris in there, and secondly, um, the durability of the screen. And and now with um, with Samsung's new display, uh, which actually has glass instead of plastic in it as well, it, it, it's a little bit more durable compared to the um, first gen. Um, have, you, have you noticed that as well? Oh yeah, it is. The the overall touchscreen experience feels more uh, natural like a smartphone than the previous generation. And also uh, it feels more glassy, as you said, like less than plasticky. So that also gives uh, a different user experience compared to Gen 1. So we know from our research, right, that um, 120 hertz is kind of going to be a, a new standard almost in many of these high-end flagship devices. And the Galaxy Z Fold 2 um, has that 120 hertz refresh rate. Um, have you any had, you know, noticeable differences in using it? Um, does it feel more fluid? So most of the phones are having higher refresh rates now, about 90 hertz. And uh, what Samsung has done well here, and which I think... Uh, they have done also uh, Note 20, uh, is it's, it has a dynamic refresh rate. So depending on the application, you can dynamically scale down, scale up the refresh rate, which helps saving the battery. And obviously the experience is much fluid, less jittery when you come from a phone which does not have a high refresh rate. It actually makes uh, the experience even more smoother, uh, especially when you're uh, playing games or watching videos. Yeah, and I, I think that's something really to watch um, in the industry, really, where, where this high refresh rate goes um, and um, how many more, you know, flagship devices will, will have this feature, especially because Samsung has a large part of this um, um, display market share um, with their AMOLED um, displays. And um, so, you know, Samsung Galaxy Fold... Um, or the, the Fold series isn't the only foldable phone on the market, right? So we have Huawei, um, the Mate X, uh, Royal, FlexPy, arguably the first um, folding display um, smartphone on the market. Um, but they all have different types of, um, uh, of, of form factors, right? They have an outward fo- folding display. Um, not, to, not to forget to mention the new Microsoft Surface Duo as well. Um, with with their inward facing facing display, what what's your take on these different form factors? Well, do you think one will win out compared to the other? Yeah, it's uh, difficult to say at this point, but uh, it 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 all depends on the scale of uh, the particular OEM driving this form factor. So, if Apple is driving a particular form factor, it becomes the industry standard, right? So, if Samsung uh, has driven a particular form factor, then it becomes industry standard, like with Note series, right? They started with a big screen and everyone followed, even Apple followed it. So uh, if, if you'll see players like TCL uh, and Royal, uh, they'll try to come up with different form factors. But again, it induces a lot of fragmentism in terms of hardware, though Google is trying to solve that by supporting as many form factors, as many resolutions, as many displays within a foldable device. And like TCL, if you saw the concept which they showed recently, like accordion threefold uh, phone, right? So uh, that uh, brings in another challenge on how to scale a particular app across like a threefold, right? Uh, when you open a device, when you open a device in accordion format or when you open a device like a window, right? So uh, so there, there could be some fragmentation at uh, software app and experience level. 
but again it remains to be seen it will uh, depend on what the overall oem strategy is and who scales it faster and better yeah and um, i think that actually brings me to the next point um, so we, we've covered some aspects of this already in terms of you know challenges and what the compromises are uh to to make a foldable smartphone and and the big one i think that we just touched upon is this third-party developer um, challenge really to to get all these different screen resolutions um, um, available um, in, in the apps that we all use. Um, what do you think are some of the other challenges that we haven't talked about? I think uh, obviously the uh, at software level, as I said, Google is trying to add as much as it can uh, to support maximum screen ratios or different multi-window or app continuity, which was one I think one of the best innovation from Google to uh to continue the apps when it, the device is folded and when it is not but the other uh, challenge is for i think supply chain the components players right how to especially the display manufacturers so to your uh, earlier question whether they should support a particular display type right if it does not have that much scale the yield rate would always be very low and it's not profitable for them to just create a, a million display right of a very different type uh, for a particular manufacturer, right? But if it is someone like Apple uh, who is uh, requesting like 100 million phones of the same this form factor, then it's easier for the display manufacturer. And there are very few display manufacturers left anyways in the market who can produce uh, advanced displays. So that is the biggest challenge now, uh, which is creeping in from hardware side. So display is one. Uh, other is uh, usability. I would say, as you say, uh, you have different form factors. And if a user is used to a particular form factor, then again, moving to a second form factor, it's going to be a learning curve, right? Over the period, assuming that over the next two decades, we'll see two or three, at least two or three different type of form factors settling in. So, so that kind of challenge I see. And obviously third most is the cost. Uh, when it will go uh, sub thousand dollars right that is the first question uh we have seen motorola uh samsung having launched the mainstream devices which are at scale right huawei did but again it's on and off uh the matex but if you look at the major samsung and motorola which are driving uh those form factors uh visibly into the market so for them uh the price has still not broken the thousand dollar barrier Right, and even Motorola is uh, is using a Snapdragon seven hundred series um, compared to um, the the other flagship devices. So trying to compromise on some things and still not being able to get the price down um, is is a big challenge uh, currently. Uh, it is uh, like everyone is trying different form factors to at least differentiate. That is what is happening right now. Uh, but as I said, there will be one or two form factors which will remain steady state depending on the yield rate and scale for the display manufacturers uh, in future. Uh, but obviously, there will be custom many designs which will be tried and tested, uh, especially with the vertical integrated players like LG or TCL, right? So they have their own display business. So they, they have that liberty to do that, but they don't have the scale like Samsung or Apple or Huawei. Uh, so uh, it remains to be seen uh, which form factor will be more successful and whether this is just an experimentation for to gain some differentiation and 
bring back the halo effect for the portfolio. Well, nicely summarized, Neil. Um, and I want to thank you for joining us um, on this week's discussion topic. Um, thanks for being here. Thank you. Enjoyed the discussion. Good questions. Thank you very much. Great. And for listeners, um, as always, you can find us on um, different um, podcast platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, please rate us and review us. And we'll also have this up on our website, counterpointresearch.com. And until next time, have a good one.